This is BTS with CTV Behind the Scenes, Behind the Stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver Newsroom. My name is Penny Daflos, and I'll be your guide behind the curtain to an avalanche on the North Shore Mountains. Breaking news this Monday. The exceptionally difficult search for the two hikers sent North Shore rescuers into the backcountry. These two men camped overnight in a remote part of Mount uh, Seymour Provincial Park. One avoided the avalanche, but the other was swept away. His family says he was an experienced outdoorsman. He's a dedicated engineering student. And when he's not studying, he's out here. Poor weather hampered search efforts. We're doing everything we can, but we need to operate safely. We cannot put our rescuers um, at risk. And that was difficult for the missing man's family to come to terms with. I can't agree that they pull out the, the, the rescue team. I can't. I can't agree with we that. This is what they were trained for, to go out there in the snow. It shouldn't be that like that, leave the man to die. After 48 hours of uncertainty, friends and family received the news they were dreading. 39-year-old Remy Mikulovsky did not survive Monday's avalanche in a remote area of Mount Seymour Provincial Park. He suffered a lot of uh, trauma on the way down, so uh, um, it was a, a quick end for the, the individual. I want to bring in reporter Ben Milger because you've been covering this story since the very beginning. I guess walk us through, Ben, how this all started because avalanches are so rare um, on the South Coast. It's not like we cover stories like this very often, especially you know so soon after it happened. So walk us through how you first got assigned to this story and how it kind of unfolded. Yeah, I was working on a different story that required me to, to make a bunch of phone calls and we didn't know if it was going to happen. And then all of a sudden our assignment editor came rushing over to me said something's happening on the North Shore. We're going to send you up to Mount Seymour uh, and you'll have to kind of figure out what's going on on the way. Uh, so uh, then I was looking at some tweets from North Van RCMP, uh, North Shore Rescue Facebook page also had some information uh, and it quickly became apparent that this was a possible code alpha, which uh, is lingo that uh, people in the outdoors use for an avalanche with a person trapped. Uh, and that's a very serious situation obviously that requires a massive response uh, and that is what was unfolding on the mountain when I got there. There were team members arriving. Uh, there were people already leaving on snowmobiles to get as far up uh, as they could. Uh, after that, they would have to walk uh, or snowshoe the rest of the way. Uh, and it was a really dynamic situation. We arrived on the mountain probably around 11 o'clock, and, and we just got ready to go with the information that we had uh, to lead our noon show. And so what was the atmosphere like? Because North Shore Rescue, they're used to going into the backcountry to search for hikers and snowshoers, don't usually see a code alpha. And every time I hear code alpha, I think, oh, my God, these people are going into such a dangerous situation. It's already life threatening for the people involved. But were the rescuers themselves tense? Like, what what was your sense of the atmosphere uh, as you got there? The North Shore Rescue uh, is almost always business as usual, and that's what I saw when I got there. I didn't see any panic. Uh, I didn't see people rushing through things. Uh, they were orderly. They were assembling a plan, and they were uh, deploying their people as they always do. And I always find it remarkable that uh, in a life-and-death situation that uh, they are always able to, to fall back on their training uh, and, and not get uh, too anxious. And, and that's exactly what we saw that day. So then what happened next? They've got their snowmobiles up. Um, the weather is obviously uh, pretty bad, but was the helicopter flying at this point or did that come later? 
we could hear choppers, uh, but from where we were in the parking lot of Mount Seymour Resort, which is sort of the jumping off point to get into Mount Seymour Provincial Park, uh, we could tell that it was quite foggy and cloudy in the valleys and around the peaks of the mountains. So although we heard helicopters, we weren't sure whether they were going to be able to access the site where the slide took place. Uh, and in fact, they were not at that time. Uh, so we did our uh, live hit at noon and we reported what we knew, that there was a possible avalanche potentially with one or more people trapped. Uh, and then we were briefed by uh, the team leader from North Shore Rescue, the search manager. He came out, he told us uh, that they had confirmed there was an avalanche. Two people uh, had been snowshoeing in the area. One of them, when the avalanche hit, was able to grab onto a tree and he had lost sight and could not make uh, voice contact with his friend. He had no idea where he was, if he was buried or if he'd just been swept away and had, and had found safe refuge as well. That uninjured man was fortunate that he was able to use his cell phone and call 911. They also had uh, a spot beacon, uh, which gave the precise GPS coordinates. Um, once the um, uh, search manager told us that information, uh, I immediately relayed that back to our assignment desk, and we decided right away that we were going to do another update in our noon show. Uh, so we broke in with that information that there was definitely one person missing and, and one person had survived the avalanche. Um, and at that point, as a reporter, uh, your heart starts to pound a little bit because uh, a possible code alpha, a possible person trapped in an avalanche suddenly becomes, yes, we very likely have have a person uh, trapped in an avalanche. Um, once we finished the, our second hit on the noon show, uh, then it was just sort of wait and see what happens. Um, the further updates that we got from the search manager were that ground crews could only get so far because the avalanche risk was too great for them to carry on. They were apparently about halfway to the slide site. Uh, so we prepared to go to air with a story about one person uh, stuck on the mountainside and one person missing. Uh, and then around 4 o'clock, everything changed again, uh, and, and, and there were developments because the weather broke. Uh, Talon Helicopters was able to fly in over the site. We got really dramatic video from Chopper 9 of the rescue. Uh, two people on a long line lowered down. Uh, the uh, uninjured hiker had found shelter against the, the trunk of a tree. They got in, they hooked him up in a harness and whisked him off the mountain uh, in a matter of moments. Uh, and that was a really remarkable uh, video and very dramatic for us to be able to show our viewers exactly how that happened. And I feel so lucky that we have Chopper 9 to be able to show that because these rescues, for people here, they may be almost normal because they, they happen so often. We see that so so often, but there are not a lot of helicopter pilots skilled enough and experienced enough to do this kind of thing. There are no instruments involved. It's all their eyes and their depth perception and the skill needed to be able to not just fly into that terrain safely and, and be looking for the people that you're searching for, but that to have somebody dangling on the end of a long line already there and then lower them gently enough to be able to scoop up someone who could potentially be injured. I'm always amazed at the skill involved and I'm so grateful that as journalists we have the visuals in the medium that we work in to be able to show exactly what's involved with that because it's it's no easy thing and it's not like we can just hike in there to be able to show what's happening from the ground. Obviously treacherous conditions so I, I just feel so grateful that we're able to show people exactly what happened. Yeah, uh, it really is uh, remarkable the work that happens up there, and we're lucky to have the chopper that is able to fly into those situations uh, with the rescue choppers. Um, and 
the practice that North Shore Rescue gets because they do so many rescues uh, allows them in the real life and death situations to to be able to rely on their training and experience. And that's what we saw. Um, but there was still a man missing. Uh, and darkness was closing in. Uh, so then something happened that I have never experienced in my time reporting on missing people on the North Shore. Uh, another helicopter came, uh, and we did not get to see this, um, but avalanche technicians dropped explosives out of a helicopter and created controlled slides in the area of the uh, avalanche that had trapped uh, the missing person uh, so that they could drop a team on the mountain. And they actually did that uh, with just... Mo- uh, maybe 15 minutes before it got dark, there were uh, a handful of people dropped into that slide area with a couple of dogs, uh, and they had a matter of minutes that they could work and look uh, for this missing man, who we later found out is Remy Mikulovsky. Um But then with darkness closing in and the weather the next day looking terrible, the decision was made that uh, they would not allow that team to camp on the slope, uh, which was a possibility earlier in the day. Uh, so they only had... Uh, a chance to search for 15 minutes before the chopper came back uh, and picked them up. Uh, And then we got in to day two, uh, which is where this story took a a really emotional turn. And you and I know how grim the situation turns when it gets into day two of a search, especially when there's been something as cataclysmic as an avalanche. Um, Rescuers know that full well as well. So I I think any time you go into day two, you know it's not going to be a great situation. And um, the family starts arriving and and stuff starts to get really desperate. And it sounds like that's what happened in this case as well. Yeah. uh, The rescue teams made the decision uh, that they would not be able to go in on the ground. uh, on the second day because um, the risk of further avalanches was just too great uh, and they couldn't uh, trigger them by uh, dropping explosives from helicopters to to make the area safe for themselves because it was just too cloudy and it was snowing. Uh, visibility was near zero. Um, so for the family of Remy Mikulovsky, they showed up uh, at the mountain uh, anticipating or hoping that they would see a flurry of activity like they had seen the day before um, and there was nothing. Um, and that was a really emotional time for his mother and his sister. Uh, uh, they did media interviews, uh, and the the anxiousness uh, and the helplessness that they felt uh, was written all over their faces, uh, and the desperation. Uh, they actually were talking very seriously about going into the backcountry themselves, uh, which obviously would have been very foolish, but, but people in a situation like that, when they don't know whether their loved one is uh, alive trapped, uh, running out of time, uh, are obviously not thinking rationally. Uh, and it was only a meeting with uh, North Shore team leader Mike Danks uh, and the and the Mounties that was able to convince them uh, to not go in themselves. Uh, and as it turned out, uh, the weather did not break on Tuesday uh, and, and no further search efforts were conducted on the second day. I can see how that would be so difficult for them to try to understand because we see so many successful rescues. So why not my brother? Why not my son? Are you doing enough? And I, I, my heart breaks for them, but it must have also been really hard for you to be there because they're pleading with the media almost to help convince us to convince them, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. the reporters get drawn into this emotional circumstance 
And that's really hard. Yeah, and I was there before Mike Danks arrived. Mike Danks was on his way to the mountain. I spoke to him by phone, uh, and he was on his way there to talk to the mother and sister and explain to them uh, North Shore Rescue Protocols, that they will not put their team's lives in danger. Um, I mean, they take calculated risks every time they go out, uh, and they use the experience and knowledge that they have to decide when it is just too dangerous. Uh, And that's the situation that they were in. But because I interviewed the mother before she had a chance to speak to Mike Danks, uh, I found myself having to hold back and not explain North Shore Rescue's position because that's not my job. uh, And and I'm not uh, equipped necessarily to explain it as well as their their team members can and as as accurately for that matter. Uh, So it was a very challenging interview for me uh, because I I could see the desperation uh, and I, I could not explain to them what I could logically see as somebody who was somewhat removed from the situation uh, and obviously uh, they were not able to remove themselves uh, when they have a loved one who is missing uh, and they are anxiously hoping that somebody will go in immediately and save that person. So now we are, uh, night, night falls again, it's the second evening and now we're into day three, you go back up to the mountain with a camera person, uh, what are we at at this point? Well, the skies had cleared. Uh, it was a beautiful blue sky day, um, and they were able to fly teams uh, up to the avalanche site. There were six people. They wanted to be very careful. They didn't want to contaminate the site with the scent of a lot of people because they did have dogs that are trained to find people who are buried in the snow. So they went in with a very light team of only six people and two dogs, uh, and they began to methodically, in a grid, go over the avalanche site Um, and eventually uh, it wasn't one of the dogs actually it was one of the searchers with a long pole uh, who uh, inserted it into the snow uh, and realized that uh, that pole was coming up against the body and they um, managed to to dig the body of Remy Mikulovsky out um, and they flew it back to one of the North Shore rescue bases and uh, it was a very sad outcome Um, but by the time you get to day three it, it wasn't an unexpected outcome uh for the media and for the search and rescue teams um we've all been in that situation doing our jobs before where we have covered those events and they have uh participated in body recoveries um but again for the family it was the anxiousness uh had been building for 48 hours at that point um the, with each passing hour, I think it became more clear to them that they were less likely to ever see uh, Remy alive again. Um, and then once his body was recovered, the emotional floodgates just opened for his friends and family. Um, and the emotion that I saw that day is, it, it's not something you'll ever forget. And it's hard, I think people forget that it's hard for us as well, because we see a lot of difficult things, but to to see a mother and a family in distress like that, it's hard for us too. I think every time we go to a rescue, we are dreading that that could be the outcome because we've all seen it. It's hard. I think it haunts us all the time. I can see that it's it's haunting you. And at the same time, I think it's so important that we see what the outcome is of stuff like this because 
as tragic and as painful as it is, I, it's reality. And I never want to look like we're trying to whitewash and, and make it seem like everything's wonderful and that the, you know, they did their best, but you know, life moves on. It's incredibly painful despite the best efforts of people who risk their own lives to try to sue the mother's pain. But in the end, there was nothing really they could do. No, and uh, there was a doctor who was on the mountain at the time of the recovery as as part of that avalanche team, and uh, in his estimation, he did not believe that Remy actually survived the fall. They believed that he was dead before the snow stopped moving. Um, So in the end, uh, although it took 48 hours to get to him, uh, it likely would not have made a difference if they had got to him right away. Uh, in talking to his family the day before, I had learned that uh, Remy uh, loved the outdoors. Uh, he was a very experienced uh, a person when it came to backcountry excursions uh, in the summer and in the winter time. Uh, and his family said that uh, he was always very well prepared. Uh, but one thing that uh, people who go into the backcountry probably realize as well as anybody, and, and journalists and search and rescue teams get to see this, no matter how well prepared and experienced you are, uh, that doesn't make you invincible. Uh, and there are things that can happen out there that uh, that people won't survive. Uh, I assume or I hope that Remy Mikulowski understood the uh, the risks that he was taking in doing that kind of winter mountaineering. Um, I don't know whether he had uh, properly explained that to his family or not, uh, but it is uh, uh, obviously uh, something that they now have to deal with uh, and will for the rest of their lives. And I think that there are, as a result of that, there are probably some discussions happening in other families who have um, loved ones who go into the outdoors and who um, do take some risks, uh, sometimes with experience, sometimes not. Um, But I I think stories like this are important so that it's all kind of out in the open and, and people are discussing risk levels and experience levels and... I mean, the fact that these guys had a spot messenger, was it? Was that the technology they had with them? I mean, that te- that told me in and of itself that they were probably fairly experienced to think that far ahead. There are other people um, going in the backcountry right now who don't. So if this story, tragic though it is, can serve to have those discussions, maybe make people a little bit more prepared, even though it's such a heartbreaking thing for everybody to experience, you know, that's what I hope that we can, that these things will accomplish, that it's not just, um, you know, you feel bad for somebody and you move on, but that there is some sort of outcome from this that could help potentially other people. Yeah, absolutely. That is uh, what I tried to convey on my uh, final uh, report about what happened uh, on the mountain this week uh, was uh, to make sure people understood, regardless of their level of experience uh, and training, uh, they have to weigh that against the conditions. And um, a, a lot of people are very confident about their abilities, uh, and something like this uh, can hopefully serve as a wake-up call. Um, I mean, North Shore Rescue volunteers were not prepared to go in there on the ground. That should be an indication that nobody should be going in there. Thanks so much for your time, Ben. Oh, thank you, Penny. I'd also like to thank Gerald Christensen for his help with archival audio this week. And thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover on a future podcast? Email me, bts at ctv.ca. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits, and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Daflos. 